0: Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message for more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the river Claremont. I want to deliver a message this morning that I pray, uh, comes across. Well, you know, it's always the thing when you're a public minister uh, someone said to me this week, they were like, yeah, I, said, I was speaking publicly and I said something wrong and I just felt so bad that I said something wrong and I had to make it right and I'm like, man, if I had a dollar for every time I probably said something wrong, uh, I'd probably at least have a dollar. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing with public speaking. You're not always on your A game, so it's like we always want to knock it out of the ballpark, but sometimes you you get through it. But today I felt led to talk about um, just, you know, those of you that have been to this church for a bit, you've you've heard me say, you know, my wife and I traveled as ministers, and then we became pastors, and it was a growth period, you know, uh, where growing as a pastor, you're you're not there. You know, how many people realize you're always in the process of growing, or you should be, Amen. So just, you know, where you are right now, you won't be next year. You're going to be further in, in, if you let the Lord continue to build things on the inside of you and you stay humble and teachable. Very important. No matter if you're a leader, you still got to be teachable, right? Are you with me? And so the Lord really took me on a journey of just falling in love with the local church where, you know, I just passionately realized how precious the local church is to God, that it's the embassy of heaven inside every single territory that it sets up, that God has plans for cities. You know, I remember when I came here, uh, someone said, you know, you can't pastor a city. And I said, amen. You know, yeah, that sounds great. It sounds great. You know, and so I'm like, you can't pastor a city. You can't do that. And then the Lord said to me, Caleb, what does Ephesians stand for? And I said, "Well, it's the letter written to the church of Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. And what's Corinthians written to Corinth? And the Lord was like, I was like, oh, I see what you mean. That the church's job is not just to reach those that come into the building, but the church's job is to reach the community and the city and impact the city. There are people that will never come to the river, but it doesn't mean the river can't go to them. Amen. And so you got to decide that you're going to carry something from this place, from your walk with God that influences and affects the lives of other people in great ways, not in negative ways. Whether you realize it or not, your life has influence. Some people are like, no, you're a person of influence and you're an influencer is a term we use on social media now. But the truth is, every one of us have influence, whether it's with a large crowd or a small crowd, you are influencing people. So if you're influencing people, decide to influence them with the goodness of God and the power of the Holy Spirit rather than the things of this world. Amen? Amen. Don't be a person that influences poorly. And how many people in here have ever been a negative impact upon someone else? Oh yeah, before I got saved, I I was not good. And so the Lord, it's like I got saved, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to take the same thing that I used to use to drive people away from you, and I'm going to drive people to you, or bring people to you, amen. amen? It's precious, and realize you have influence. You are influencing people's lives on a regular occasion, unless you're a hermit that stays home and never comes out, of which we welcome you today that you ventured out for the first time. Welcome to the living, the land of the living, amen? No, we all have influence. And so I want to talk to you today about hosting the presence of the Lord. So precious to realize how the Lord wants to fill you with his holy presence to where uh, his presence, you can feel it. Come on. I mean, in here, you close your eyes, you're in a dark room, but someone walks by you, you can feel that presence. Anybody in here ever realize that if you walk into a room right after people had an extreme fight what do you feel when you walk in the room? It's like you're hit by that hostility and you're like, it's weird up in here right now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's a presence. When you carry the presence, of, evil has a presence. Wickedness has a presence. When you get into dark places and dark, uh, weird things going on, you know, you can feel the presence of evil. So if you can feel the presence of evil and you can feel the presence of a person brushed by you in the dark, how much more should you be in tune and feeling the presence of the Almighty? Come on, somebody. And thank God that we can feel his presence. Thank God that he is real and He's alive, that we don't just believe in a made-up God that is so far away we can never access him and never have encounters with the Lord. We can encounter God when we open ourselves up and chase after him. Amen? So who wants to encounter the Lord with your life regularly? Amen? He's so good. So turn with me in Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. It says that one day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me to take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. And if that is true, then that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you. And I will give you rest and everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people if you don't go with us for your presence, say presence, yes. for your presence among us, sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The presence of the Lord is meant to set you apart from everything else going on on the planet today. Amen. Amen. You're supposed to be different than what is transpiring around you. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you've asked for. I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Put in context what happened here. um, The Lord had sent Moses up on a mountaintop. He made the Ten Commandments. He came down from the mountain and they had built a golden calf. And they were worshiping a golden calf. And God was so angry Because man so quickly started worshiping a God they could control, a God that didn't challenge them, a God that they could access without cleaning their hearts or purifying themselves, a God that was basically of their own creation. Now today, uh, I hope you've never been into a church where there was a golden cow up there and everybody bowed and worshiped, but if so, run out of the place, you know what I'm saying? just go ahead and say, this ain't for me. Me and my family are going to go on down the road uh, because I grew up on a dairy farm. They are not worth worshiping. Trust me. (laughs) Do not put your faith in a cow alone. But we we do create gods of our own making. We create gods in the world of any God that lets you do whatever you want to do is actually you. And you have to remember that that the presence of the Lord means you're going to be challenged along the way in your pursuit of God, of things in your life that need to line up with the word, things of your life that need to change, things of your life that he's going to ask of you that are even a good thing, but he's going to take the good thing to give you the God thing. Are you with me right now? Anybody ever follow after God? And it's not like you had evil even in your life, but God took something from you that you put faith and stock into because God said, I don't want you leaning on that. I want you leaning on me. I don't want anything between me and you. I want all of you. And that's the journey of discovering the presence of the Lord. So they created a golden cap. God was angry. So he actually said, that's it. I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> Read the Bible. It's pretty wild in the Old Testament, right? It's like the Lord's like, I'm going to kill all of Israel. And so Moses is like, no, don't kill them. Please, God, if you kill them. They're going to say that you're not a good God. They're going to say that you're an evil God that led your people in the wilderness so that you could kill them. And God said, okay, I won't kill them. And the Bible actually says the Lord changed his mind because Moses persuaded him to change his mind. I want you to realize how precious the relationship you're meant to have with God is. That God would literally convene with one man and let his mind be changed from Moses' plea. That's prayer. Prayer is not a small thing. When you go before the Lord, you are literally getting in the presence of the Almighty that has the power to do all great things. Amen. You're pursuing after God. And so God then tells you know, Moses, fine, go into the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. Okay. And this is where Moses is like, well, I don't want to go if I'm walking out of your presence. Are you with me right now? That's like basically if you have an opportunity, you can have a million dollars, but you have to stop going to church and never serve the Lord and never tell Jesus that you, you want him in your life anymore, or you keep going to church. What are you going to choose? And some people would choose the wealth, but some people are like, the presence of God is of more value to me than anything this world has to offer. I choose his presence. I never want to walk out of the presence of the Lord to obtain something that this world can give me because the things of this world can be taken away, but the presence of the Lord is all eternal, amen? And so Moses, of course, pleads with this. This is the famous bit Well, right after this, the Lord says, fine, I'm gonna go with you. I will go with you. My presence will be with you. You will go in the promised land. And Moses says, then I want to see your glory. Ooh, shabababaka. And what happens? The Lord says, I'm going to take you on the mountaintop. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. You're going to avert your eyes because if you look at me, you cannot contain what you are going to see when you look in the fullness of the glorious King of kings and Lord of lords. And when his presence passed by, the glory shone on him and he came down and basically he was shining. Isn't that powerful? Who wants to shine for Jesus? I remember I was at a conference one time. They sang this song, Glow in the Dark. I was like, it's weird, but it's fun. you know that song? I want to glow in the dark. It's wild. Something about radioactive too. It's a worship song and you're like, okay, all right. Okay. All right. Yeah. And you know what they're, you know, the scripture, but you're not certain if this is holy or weird right now. So it's kind of like where you're like, you don't know if you're supposed to sing or dance, but the glory of the Lord shines on him. An interesting thing, you know, Basically, he's shining with the presence of the Lord and God is holy. He reflects the glory of the Lord and he has to put a, a mask or a, or a veil over his face to cover the glory. Then you fast forward to the New Testament where Jesus goes up on the mountaintop and the transfiguration of Jesus Christ and the glory of the Lord shines from within him because in the Old Testament, man could only reflect the goodness of God. But on the New Testament, the glory of the Lord can get on the inside of man so that we are literally carriers of the glory of God because the blood of Jesus has cleansed us to make a vessel worthy that the, blood, that the presence of God could dwell on the inside of. What that means is you're meant to carry the glory of God with you everywhere you go. Amen? How do you carry the presence of the Lord? How do you get to this place with God? Let me tell you something. There's always a war for your affection going on. Come on. There's always a war for your attention. There's always things that this world throws at you to kind of get you subverted and going after that. There are things that you can create that you feel comfortable with. And God wants to blow up the comfortable things to get you into the uncomfortable zone of walking in direct obedience with him. Amen. Are you with me right now? To where your day, he gets to tell you how your day goes. Not you get to tell God what time in the day he has available to reach you. Well, I'm I'm getting it right now. I feel I feel fired. You know what I'm saying? Where you literally tap into something so supernatural that the Lord begins to lead and and, and guide your footsteps to where you're going to places supernaturally. I love telling this story. I was preaching in South Africa many years ago, and I met an older gentleman. Uh, He was American, but had lived his life in South Africa. He was like a Western preacher. He had the, the cowboy cut jeans and the big belt buckle and, you know, the, the, the Western shirt. But he lived in South Africa nearly his whole life. And he's telling me this story that when he first came to South Africa, uh, a friend of his in the ministry that they traveled with for many years had actually been the driver for Smith Wigglesworth. And so he used to drive Smith, Smith Wigglesworth all around England and everywhere that Smith would, would minister. And he said one time he was driving the car and Smith Wigglesworth was in the back reading the Bible and suddenly just looks up at him and he says, Pull the car over. And they were in, they were in the middle of nowhere in, of England out in the countryside. There was nothing nearby, just fields and hilltops and stuff. So he pulls the car over and he turned to ask Smith what was going on. And Smith was already out of the car and he was running across the field. And so the guy, you know, closes, shuts down the car, starts running to catch up with Smith, that has no idea what's going on. You know how many people realize that's strange when someone. Just starts running across the field in the middle of nowhere. You're like, what happened? Did you get bit by a snake or something, you know? So he runs to catch up with him right as he's topping this hill. And right on the other side of the hill, what they couldn't see on the road was a sheep herder camp. There was all these sheep and lamb just on there. And there was a tent and fire. And there's just a group of guys just there with a herd of sheep. And there was a little just, you know, tent type thing, you know, temporary tent that was constructed. And he went in there and there was Smith Wigglesworth And he was literally praying with these guys right around the fire, just the the presence of the Lord. He said he walked in, it's like the glory of God was in the place. And Smith was just leading them to Jesus, praying with them. And it's like the presence of God was in the place. Then Smith Wigglesworth took his Bible and handed it to the guy. And he said, everything you need to know about what just transpired is in this word. And the sheep herder took it. And then Smith Wigglesworth turned and walked out of the tent and started walking back to the car. And he runs to catch up with him. and He's like, how did you know that? And he was like, we were just driving down the road and the Lord told me, stop the car, run over there, that there's someone that just asked, who are you, Lord? Send someone to tell me who you are. I want to give you. And they ran right in there. So these guys, imagine the the supernatural presence of what this is, that you're literally in a sheep herder camp in a tent. Three of you, and you're like, you know what? There's something more to life. I just feel that there's something more than herding sheep in the wilderness. There's got to be a God. There's got to be a creator. Who is he? What's he made from? What does he want us to do? And they bow, and you grab hands and say, Lord, if you're real, send someone. And then the tent flap opens up. You'd just been like, like you would have just ministered to your underpants in that moment. You know what I'm saying? You would have got a release. You'd be like, what happened? And then he tells you about Jesus, prays with you, hands you a Bible. That would Like, I wish that that's how I got my first Bible. You know what I'm saying? If you got your Bible that way, it's like, oh, it's like pulling a scaliber out of a stone. You're like, This is holy. You don't understand what it took to get this book. I didn't go to Barnes and Nobles. Supernatural. And one time I was in a, te- uh, in a field uh, or a park, sorry, a park. A public park in Texas. And I don't know if you, who's from Texas in here? Got some Texans in the house. Texans build everything eight times too big. When you go to Texas, the average size house is 18,000 square foot. I mean, I'm just joking. They build big things. And so this park is like acres and acres. Whereas Florida, you can like look from one side of the end. You're like, hey, how's it going? Texas, you're like, we're at this picnic table. So I'm I'm, I'm literally sitting there with a guy. He's fishing in this creek. And there was another guy with me. And he was a military guy, a soldier. And we're leading this kid to the Lord as he's fishing in this park. And I look up. And I'm telling you, like, in the distance, like like a microscopic person. You can see on the far side of the park. That must have been, I don't know, like a half mile away. Who knows how long it was? This dude's, like, sitting on a park bench. You can barely see him. And I look at the soldier with me. And I said, this, you need to run to that guy. Go tell him that, that God knows who he is, that, um, that God has a plan for his life. And so the soldier says, OK. And he literally just takes off running. And I sit there. I finish with this kid. I turn up and I'm still watching the soldier. He's still running. He's just running half a mile to get to this guy. Gets there. So I start walking up there. You know, I didn't I wasn't in the military at that time and, and You know, the Bible says the wicked flee when no man pursues them. So I wanted to be a righteous man. So I casually strolled the half mile. You know what I'm saying? You know, when the soldier wasn't at the same spiritual level I was. And so I I casually made my way over there. By the time I get over there, this dude is hugging the soldier and they're both crying like, and I'm like, what happened? And this guy sits down, and he was he was dressed and tattooed up, looked all looked looked depressed. He looked like a like a like a depressed person. You know how they have it look. <laughs> People are like, no, I have the joy of the Lord, boy. And you're like, well, then alert the rest of yourself because the billboard that you are displaying does not say joy. Okay, I'm just telling you right now. It says anger. And uh, so. The guy, the guy, you know, he says, look, man, I'm literally felt suicidal and just battling with depression. And I had heard I, I knew Jesus I'd raised in your church, but it's just never real to me. Nothing. And so he said, I came out in this park today and I literally felt like I was at the end of my rope. I was giving up on life and uh was just so lonely. And I sat here and, and from my voice under my breath, I said, God, you got one chance to get me if you're real, then I need, I need you to give me a sign. I need you to show me that you know where I'm at and that you care about me. And he says, I prayed that under my breath and I watched and I saw this man start running across. And he said, I sat here on this park bench and thought he's not running to me. There's no way this guy is running all this distance to get to me. And he said, I watched him get closer and closer and closer. And he said, he's running towards me. What should I do? And he said, I sat right there. He said, I didn't know if this guy was going to beat me up, take my money. And he says, he gets here and he just takes one deep breath and says, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. He cares about you. And he sent me here to tell you that, that you know, and the, the guy just started crying. He's like, are you kidding me? And of course the soldier's like, this is awesome. Like this is the first time he ever went soul winning. And he's like in a park, just hugging this dude. Like this is what it's about. This is the kingdom of God advancing. Amen. Not just a billboard up on the sidewalk somewhere. It's literally God using you, stepping into you, like you're a well oiled oiled machine or a glove for the hand of God to slip into. That's the glory and the presence of the Lord that makes a difference. But you got to decide, man. I want the presence of the Lord in my life, Amen. And it's going to cost you something. Let me put it to you this way: in modern day. You know, the Bible says not to quench the Holy Spirit and not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Quenching the Holy Spirit is where you just shut down what God wants to do. So it's like someone starts, you know, crying at the altar or someone starts screaming or someone falls on the ground and you just take them, usher them out, just shut it down because it's awkward and people are uncomfortable about that point. That's quenching it. Grieving it is where you act like you know you got the Holy Spirit, but you're actually shutting, you're not, you're not living right you're not walking right. You treat him like he's just casual. You know, you can get whatever you want from God, but it doesn't, it doesn't require anything on your side to live right. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And be someone that's like loves Jesus in your private walk. You're, churn, you're, you're, you're allowing him to prune you so that you can be just the one that God can trust in that moment. You don't want to be led astray. But if we take the way we do things in modern society sometimes... I'll I'll give you this parable. It would be like if my wife, I decided to throw her the biggest birthday party ever, and I spend all this money on it, and I get 8,000 people to show up at the birthday party. But before the birthday party begins, I offend my wife. I say something horrible to her, or I shut down, or I do something that dishonors her to where my wife does not even want to be at the birthday party, what was the party even about? Because if the honored guest is not welcome in the place, then you have done nothing. And when it comes to the body of Christ, and when it comes to church, and when it comes to everything we do, if you push out the Holy Spirit, what was the party even about? Are you with me today? So really, everything we do as a church, everything's got to be centered. Is, Is the presence of the Lord welcome in the place? Or have we pushed him out with our own agenda or pushed him out with our own selfish ambition? Is the drive for success more important than the drive for the presence of the Holy Ghost? And it's an easy slip. I've seen people start out in faith, and they're going after the kingdom of God, and everything in them is tuned into the Holy Ghost, and they're running their race. But they get to a level. And at that level, suddenly they begin to think, how can I protect what I've got? And then they switch from faith to fear, fear to protect what they have been received so far. And everything around them slowly begins to shrivel up and die because it is only through Christ Jesus that the life that is necessary to meet the needs of people can be found. Are you with me? So it's like you've got to decide, man, come hell or high water. Come large numbers or small numbers. Come what may. I want the presence of God, and that's the only thing that I'm seeking after. And if he's in the place, then I'm in the place. Amen. Decide, man, I want to be in the glory of the Lord. I don't want to hear about him. I want to be someone that is filled with him. Jesus. Jesus started just by one person. He was one man. He rose up to 12 people following him. From 12, they got thousands of people following him. The thousands shrunk to a handful. The handful dropped down to no one when he was being standing before the high priest. Then he grew back to three. Then he had 15. And then he had 120. And then he checked out. I just say, it's not what we think it is. Jesus always had the presence of the Father with him. He was the glory of the Lord incarnate. And yet sometimes it was attractive and sometimes it wasn't attractive. But it didn't change. Jesus wasn't vacillating. Jesus was consistent. Are you with me right now? So see what the world tells us to seek after is not always what you got to seek after. You've got to make sure constantly, where am I with the Lord? Is he with me today? Is his presence as real to me right now as it ever was? Or have I let that presence slip away? If you take the Holy Spirit out of church, then how are you ever going to meet the needs of the people that come in the place? If you have 15,000 people show up and you don't let the Holy Spirit flow, how are you going to take 15,000 people and move them all forward? This person's cheating on his wife. This person's addicted to drugs. This person's been serving God for 47 years and just fasted 40 days in a row. And they're all in the crowd. How do you take that and make a move of God happen? It's only through letting the Holy Spirit have his way. Amen. And just say, go, God. Go, God, go, go, blow, move, fly, shake, sh- shook, whatever. You're just like, God, do whatever you want to do. Make Pastor Mark run around the place if that's what it takes. Turn Brecken loose and let him shout. We'll do whatever it takes, God. The Holy Spirit is the only one that is with you all the time. See, because we come to rely upon other people and we we look for even our spouse, our friends, our church friends, our pastors, they will never be with you 24-7. They can't be with you. There's sometimes they're going to (laughs) sleep. And when they sleep, they put their phone on do not disturb. You know why? Because they have been disturbed before and they decided tonight I don't want to be disturbed. Amen. Amen. So the only one that's with you all the time is the Holy Spirit. That's why cultivating this relationship is the utmost important. The Holy Spirit. Man, uh, Pastor Jeff was telling me a story. Man, powerful. A friend of ours, and I won't say any names. He, he loved God, so was serving the Lord, but he just got off track, kind of fell into the wrong crowd, and was walking into a, a building, a, a room. He was, gonna, he was basically about to trip acid and just slip back into his old ways was standing at the door. And Pastor Jeff is at the house, like cleaning his pool. And the Lord says to him, call this guy, tell him he's standing at a door. If you go through that door, this is what's going to happen. But if you walk away from that door and keep going after the, the Lord. So he calls this kid up. Starts telling him, you're standing right now at a door. And on the other side of that door, you're slipping back into the things that you used to be a part of. But God says, I don't want you to go through that door. Turn and walk away right now. And everything that God has for you is still going to come to pass in your life. dude. standing there at a door. Imagine that phone call. You got to be really hard to the Lord to be like, I'm still going through the door. I double dog not dare the Lord. You know, you're like, you're more like the fear of God strikes you. And you're like, I am not going through that door. I mean, you could have literally just been on the way to like Hardee's and you're about to get, you know, like you're about to go get a bacon and egg and cheese biscuit. And you're like, if you go through that door, you are like, I ain't going through that door. I ain't never eating at Hardee's again. Let me tell you right now. Done with that junk. Hardee's leads to the hard way. I ain't going the hard way. Whatever door was before you, you're like, mm, -mm, you. Never go through that door. It would have been awkward if you were standing at your front door, then you've been like, but, uh, okay, should I go around back? But the Lord didn't make a mistake. And the Lord knew what door was before him. And God spoke through him. That's the presence of the Lord. Do you carry that presence of the Lord? That's what Moses meant. He's like, look, we can go and get the promises. But if if we lose the one that gave us the promises, what did we gain? What do we have? Because it can be stripped away from you. Because understand this. Moses knew. If we go in there and we strip it from the hands of those people. But we don't have the one that empowered us. Someone's going to come along and strip it from our hands. But if we have the one that calls us to obtain it. Then no one can come and take it from us. Amen? The kingdom of God in the inside of you is the most precious thing. I pray that this church does shine. Shine with the goodness of God and the glory of the Lord. In our vision statement, it literally says that we would reach more people than come under her roof. Because we know that we're not here just to build a social club of a large number of people. We're here to build and influence the community with the kingdom of heaven. May it be evident. Amen. May people be healed. May people be delivered. May addictions be broken. May we influence righteous decisions around us. May peace begin to reside in this area. May crime go down. Come on. Do you believe the Lord can do it? I met with two ladies today, uh, this week, that walked into the place, and they said, man, uh, I, was, I was out on the boat, and the Lord spoke to me, and it was like, it's like this word, she's just I don't know what it means, and shelter, 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 shelter. What are you saying, Lord? What are you saying, Lord? And the Lord led them in this journey to where they feel like God is calling them to step up and try and create a movement to come against all the sex trafficking in our area, and make a stand, and make it public, and empower people to change. Come on. This stuff goes on because the enemy is always going around doing his thing until someone steps up and says, not today. No longer do you have access to this." That's the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Are you with me today? And that's what we're meant to possess. And that's what we're meant to carry is the goodness and the glory of God everywhere we go. Second Samuel six, one through 15. David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all, and he led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and they brought it before Abinadab's house, which is on a hill. And Uzzah and Ah Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark and David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of of God, and David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzza, which means that to burst out against Uzza, as it's still called today. David was now afraid of the Lord and he asked, how can I ever bring the Ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the Ark of the Lord into the kingdom of David, but instead he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The Ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he had because of the Ark of God. So this, uh, so David went... there Sorry. In his entire, and then King David was told the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the Ark of the Lord. So David went there and brought the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the Ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fat calf and David danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. Come on. Now, basically, you could, this scripture shows a lot. Number one, the Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of the Lord resided under the Old Covenant. So God resided inside the Ark. Anywhere the presence of the Lord is prospered and there was great success. When they went to war, they would send out the worshipers with the Ark of the Covenant so that the presence of the Lord would go before them. And then the warriors would come afterwards and they would get the victory. Because if the Lord goes before you, you will be victorious. Amen. Hallelujah to that. That's powerful. And then David dances with all of his might. It's a famous scripture. He takes off all his kingly robes and he worships God. And his, his wife you know, mocks him for it. But David's like, I'll get even more undignified than this. I'll go nuts if it pleases the Lord. As Paul said, whether I'm in my right mind and sane, as some would say, it's, it's for your pleasure. But if I'm beside myself and, and, and overcome, it's for the Lord's. Amen. And so here we see in scripture that the presence of the Lord was not to be taken lightly, that in order to even house the presence, God is holy. And so if God is holy, then he does not reside where wickedness is allowed to promote itself. You read through the vision that John had about the seven churches, and it distinctly tells you that God knows everything going on in every congregation. And he says, you've got this right and you've got this right. But because of this, If you don't fix this, I will take the lampstand from you, which is his spirit, the sevenfold spirit of God. I will take that spirit from you and I will put it out. It's holiness. It's all fun and games until it costs you something, right? And like we've seen as a church, as you grow, the church has always grown like this, then that, then this, then that, then this, then that, because you surge forward and then it's like a pruning takes place. As God begins to prune people off, not bad people, not evil people, but people that just want the things of this world more than they want the presence of the Lord. And God, this begins to trim the fat and then you keep growing and then he trims the fat and then you keep growing. And in an emotional side, as a leader in the natural, you're like, this is enough to drive you insane. Can we just not just do this and be done? And the Lord's like, no, I'm dealing with the hearts of people. And God deals with individually placed. There's not a person here. You think you can disappear in a church of 10,000? God still knows your heart. God still inspects your heart. God is still dealing with you on a one-on-one basis. Come on, somebody. His covenant is still just with you. And he inspects you, tests you. And if you found yourself worthy and you stay upright and you stay true, God takes you to another level. And another level, and another level, and another level. Until before long, you've got so much of God in you that you don't even fight the things you used to fight with because that battle's so long won that now you're looking at territory you never thought you could take before. That's the presence of the Lord. Strengthening the body of Christ. And that's the reality of what we stand for. The presence of the Lord is the only thing that has the power to take someone that was raped and abused for 50 years of their life, for 20 years of their life, and turn them around. Only God can heal those wounds. Are you with me right now? Only God can take a person that's broken down, beaten up, and take their body and heal it and strengthen them and give them a brand new vision. Only God can take depression and suicidal thoughts and pull it out from the roots and put joy that springs up from the inside in instead. That's in the presence of the Lord. So when you look at church, why do we want to throw a party with a bunch of people if the honored guest is not there present? I would rather make sure that the people there are honoring the presence of the Lord so that he is free to move through that place with the reverence that is necessary for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If you believe it, shout amen today. Come on. It's all fun and games till it costs you something. Something that you thought was good. Something that you did not expect to lose in your pursuit of God. How many people could say in pursuing God, there have been things that God has stripped away from you along the way? And in the moment, you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be like. I had a good plan, God. Remember that plan that I gave you? It had three steps. I didn't have this step listed on there because I didn't think that this was necessary. Let's skip past this step. Go back to my plan, God. Hey, The Lord doesn't even respond. (laughs) They know you want to follow me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. It's like T.D. Jake said, everybody looks at an anointed man of God and says, how much did the anointing cost? He said, well, if you take this bottle of olive oil right here, it costs about $8, but that's because you're not the olive. Because if you're the olive, then it was a crushing. It was a demolishing. It was your life being pressed to the point of total annihilation so that the preciousness on the inside of you that God wanted there would be squeezed out of you. That's the anointing. So you say, I want the anointing. It's like when the, seven, the two sons of Zebedee stood before Christ and they said, Can we sit at the right hand and the left hand? And he says, Do you want to even drink from the bitter cup I'm about to drink from? And John was like, Yes! <laughs> that was John's response. John was the one that was like, Jesus loves me. And then that's where you read Revelations. John said, fine. And he took him and exiled him, kept his life and gave him a revelation and took him into the heavenlies to display the wonders and the glory of God. Do you not think that God is looking for people on the earth today to display these things to? Like, why could John get so far in the spirit, but you can't get so far in the spirit? Why could Elijah walk and just pick up a mantle and do the miraculous, but you can't do it? Because the Bible says you're of a greater covenant than they were. Or not John, but of Elijah because of the blood, of, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So it's all a matter of how much of heaven do I want to go after and how much of heaven do I want to just be content that I've got and not pursue anymore? Am I talking to anybody here today? I feel like it's almost like zero excitement in this room right now. It's like people are like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, the glory, presence, the presence of God means that God is present in the place. And let me clarify that God is always present. He's omnipresent. People give the devil too much credit. They act like the devil is everywhere too. The devil is not everywhere. You with me right now? Nowhere in the scripture does it say Lucifer is omnipresent. He's only where he's at when he's there. And so he does have minions. Some of those minions are found in churches. Some of those minions are found in Hollywood. He has minions that report back to him, but ultimately he is not God. He does not know everything and he is not omnipresent. The Lord is. But when we talk about the presence, we talk about the manifest presence of God. It's like the activation of God's presence where he is literally doing something in the moment that you know is the Lord. Come on. Like when we were, me and Malachi, were praying with a lady at her door and the Holy Ghost smacked all three of us and we're sitting there. And this is the glory of God right there. We had church standing at her doorstep talking about the goodness of God and how God is going to heal her. Amen. And we got all smacked. We walked from there like, this is awesome. I could just roll around on her yard right now (laughs) and all would be great. I mean, it was powerful. That's the manifest presence of God. So when we talk about the presence, we're talking about the manifest presence of God. That when you pray for people, you're not just sounding good. Something is transpiring. My friend was telling me a story that he said, man, when he, when he was younger in South Africa, he, he was pressing into the Lord hardcore, just going after God, and woke up one day, and he gets in his car, and he's driving, and the Holy Spirit was like, pick up these young guys, walk into school. He drives over, he says, get in the car, I'll take you to school. They jump in the car, he's turning the car around, and all he says is, do you know Jesus? That's all he gets out of his mouth, and the atmosphere of his car just like the glory of God hits the place. These kids start crying, shaking. I mean, he is like, it was like, not just, do you know Jesus? But in that, he's like, do you know Jesus? And then Jesus is like, this is me. And they're like, Aah. they're crying. And it's like a little drive to the school. And he turns the car and they're like, Aah. drops them at the school rider. does not even know who they are. And they're getting out of the car and they're like, what are we supposed to do now? What do we do with our lives? And he's like, you need to get a church. And get a Bible. All right, Jesus loves you, and he drives off. That's the manifest presence of God. That, that time when you go, to the person's like, will you pray for me? I have a headache. And it's not the time when you're like, Lord, touch their head um, and heal them. It's like the time when you're like, Lord, and it's like, something just hits. And they're like, ah, and you're like, what's happening? That's the presence of God. It is holy. It is real. You know that it is real. If you know that it's real, say Amen. amen. That's the manifest presence of God. That's where miracles takes place. That's where revelation flows. That's where supernatural encounters are released. That's where your touch becomes more than a physical touch, but a heavenly touch. Where something godly and supernatural is transpired because you're a carrier of the glory of God. Man. And So I'll tell you, man, it costs you along the way. Costs you from time to time. But anything you give up to gain more of God is so not even a fair price to pay. If you lost everything in this world but gained all of him, I'm telling you, there's nothing when God gives it to you, it is of more value than anything you could find in this earth. Do you believe that? Jesus is so good. So we strive to honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the honored guests, the presence of God. 2 Kings 4, 8-10 through 10 says, One day Elijah went to the town of Shunem, and a wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat, and she said to her husband, I'm sure this man stops in from time to time. He is a holy man of God, so let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. First and foremost, this woman... Uh, just in this simple act of obedience to honor the presence of God on this prophet and made a space in her house that the man of God asked her what she wanted. She didn't even know what she wanted. She didn't think she could have a kid, but God supernaturally gave her a kid. So she got a miracle just by making room in her life for the presence of the Lord. Amen. Promise of the kid. The kid winds up dying later. The man of God comes back, raises him from the dead, and all is well. This woman was taken care of because she put value in the kingdom of God over just the things of this world. Are you with me? And so I read that one time. There's a lot you could, you could talk about in this, but I realized, how many people realize when it's written in the word, meditate on it It matters that it was written in there every word. And I thought, why did the Bible painstakingly go through, well, it was not painstakingly, but specifically write down what was in that room. Why would the contents of the room matter? Are you with me? It's like who in here has ever, you know, like you visited your, your loved ones and they're like, hey, come visit with me for Christmas. And you walk in there and you write in your diary, they welcomed me into their home. In the bedroom, they had put a bed, a nightstand, a lamp, an alarm clock, and a towel for me to bathe with. Like, why would, you, why would you do that? And so I asked the Lord for that. And he said, because there's revelation in that. Meditate on it a while. And there are four things listed matter. When you talk about the presence of the Lord, hosting the presence of the Lord, the first thing listed was the bed. Why? Because you've got to get to a place where you learn to rest in the goodness of God and stop striving for everything through the flesh. Stop striving, wondering. There's times when you like sit there and you strive after everything and you feel like it's all a matter of your, you've got to make this thing happen and you've got to build this and you've got to produce this instead of just learning to rest in the presence of the Lord. Resting is a holy thing. Come on. Everybody knows that when you are not rested, you get cranky, right? Right? What do we say to our kids when our kids are like? Our, we do it all. Our kids are like. Ooh, ah. well, The first thing we say is, "You need to go take a nap. Just go lay down." I'm not tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five minutes later, they're like. You get that way. You just think you've outgrown it because you're 50 years old. But really, everybody else is like that person needs to go take a nap. They need a blanket. They need a soft pat on the back, and they just need to go to bed. When we first came here, we went through a trying season when we first became pastors here. There was a lot of tough stuff that came at us. And I remember we had a a daycare, and my office was right on the other side of of the room where the the kids would take a nap. And every day at like 2 o'clock, they would play this dun-dun-dun. The lullaby song, and I'd be in my office trying to press into the word, you know, we need a breakthrough here. I'm telling you, God, you gotta move in this place. All hell's breaking loose, and I'd be I'd be falling asleep, you know. Then Steve would walk in. You're 330s here, and you'd be like trying to act like you were in deep prayer. (laughs) Yeah, I feel pretty full. Bring them in right now. And you're like, drool on the pillow. You've been out, bro. You've gone. That lullaby hit you. Do you know what I noticed? Those kids were always happy right after that nap. Learn to rest in the goodness of God. The Bible says, Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Let me read it to you in the King James Version, Psalm 127, 1 through 2. It says, if God's grace doesn't help the builders, they will labor in vain to build a house. If God's mercy doesn't protect the city, all the centuries will circle it in vain. It really is senseless to work so hard from early morning till late at night, toiling to make a living for fear of not having enough. God can provide for his lovers even while they sleep. Woo! Come on, somebody. Jesus, I double dog dare you. Go to bed tonight and check your bank account in the morning, and I prophesy the Lord is going to do a miracle. I feel it. I do feel that. Who believes that God can do that? Can God heal a body? Can God restore a mind? Can God supernaturally put money in your account? I mean, the bank can put it in and take it out. So why can't God? Amen. Hallelujah. On the seventh day, the Lord had finished his work of creation and he rested from all of his work. And he blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. Resting. And that also represents intimacy. So you got to have intimacy with the Lord. It's like, why could Moses... Plead on behalf of Israel because Moses had an intimate relationship with God. And in intimacy, if you have an intimate relationship, you can ask things that other people can't ask. You with me right now? How many people realize that when you have that deep relationship with a person, they can ask something from you that no one else can ask. But because of that relationship, you're going to do that for them. That's what the bed represents, resting in the presence of the Lord. Stop striving Stop wearing yourself. Up. Stop worrying to death. Stop feeling like you're the only one that can do this and you've got to make everything happen. Trust that God can do the supernatural. Amen. Rest in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Sometimes the most spiritual and victorious thing you can do is take a nap. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Somebody says, what, what does it look like? That's why, that's why you've got to believe God that every year God can take you away and give you a proper vacation. And a proper vacation is where you at least have multiple days where all you did was sleep and you didn't even put on anything but pajamas. Are you with me right now? People are like, no, I like to get dressed and I like to go do this. Learn to rest because in resting, your mind finally stops overactively producing and telling you all these things and you get to that calm place. And in that calm place, there's no obstruction to the voice of the Lord to speak deeply to you. That's what you're going after. You're going to that place of rest where there's nothing, there's nothing going on. You're laying there, and the Lord speaks to you. And in that precious moment, that's where supernatural things from heaven and earth, earth get deposited in you. Amen? And when you're tired, worn out, stressed out, man, you're not thinking right anyways. It's like the first service. I was saying, sleepy mind is the worst mind imaginable. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you wake up and you didn't get enough sleep the night before... And you're sitting there and you do the math of how much longer you could sleep before you've got to be at this engagement. Anybody ever had this happen? And your mind's like, carry the one, bring the two, three, and you're like, get this, you're like, I could sleep another two hours. Why did I even set my. And then you wake up and you're like, how did this happen? I'm late. It's because your mind, when it is tired, is not trustworthy. It doesn't even know how to add two plus two. It tells you, you got all day. Keep sleeping, baby. Why? Because it's saying it's tired. Learn to rest in the goodness of God. Do you believe, truly believe, that you can go to sleep and God can deal with things for you? Come on. Then go take a nap. Hosting the presence of the Lord. One of the first things you do in rest is, is learning because I remember one time, I was, the, I was the finance director for Revival Ministries International with Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. It's a large ministry. A lot comes through the place uh, every single year. It's like 70 full-time staff or more. I think at that time, there were actually 100 full-time staff. Payrolls through the roof. All these business, everything going on in the church, always running, doing 110 things. And we would start every day with prayer. And so all the staff would be in prayer. And I was the finance director. I knew every time we needed a miracle financially. I knew all of that stuff. And I remember they told me to pray one time for finances. And it was like this moment. And we, we needed like hundreds of thousands of dollars like that day. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, I'm, I get up there and I, I'm pulling from every time I've ever heard anybody pray. I'm binding and loosing. You know, you always hear, Father, we call from the north, the south, the east, the west. All the finance, you're like, yeah. And so you're actually moving around. You don't even know if you're pointing north, but you're like, north, the south, the ear. You're probably totally like in the wrong direction, but you felt anointed at the time. And so you're like, the north, the south, the east, the west. I loose the angels of heaven. I bind the devil. And I was going for it. And I'm jumping. Whole places on their feet, like, yeah. And I was like, this is the most anointed prayer I've ever prayed. And I sit down after bellowing it out like a, like a whale for whatever long. And I sit on the front row of the prayer service and everybody's still hyped up. And this is what the Lord says to me. He says, that looked a lot like the prophets of Baal. And I was like, "Ah!" I mean, I felt like, I just, I felt like just nothing. Like, what did I just do? It was all hype. It's shouting and screaming and looking like I'm summoning God, like God was only going to respond if I get loud. What did Elijah say? He mocked him saying, keep screaming. Your God must be asleep. (laughs) And I'm in that moment. I felt anointed. You've had those moments. You feel like you are dealing with it well. And God's like, could you get out of it? You're screwing the whole thing up, buddy. Think about even the covenant he was going to cut with Abraham. He put Abraham to sleep. He's like, just, you just, you're going to bed. Because you, you, can't, you can't handle this. Abraham's like, I got this. I'm going to run up. <laughs> Stop ruining everything, the Lord says. And then the Lord, thank God for the graciousness of the Lord. Because he didn't just leave me at that moment. Like, I looks like the prophets of Baal. And then I walk away and feel like God hates me. He said, you know what faith is? Faith is rest. Faith is rest. When you're actually in faith, you don't even think about it. You're in rest. Like this is already done. I can lay down and everything's fine because the Lord has got this. Amen. In the midst of this whole pandemic going on right now, it's like the Lord puts him force the, the vision to expand the building. And every one of the staff, it's like we all came in agreement. We were saying the other day, never in a staff meeting did we even talk about how are we going to raise the funds to build this place and take this place. We didn't even think about it. In all of our minds, it was like the Lord had just been like, it's done. Talk about what what comes next. So all we've been strategizing is what's next because we, we knew it's already done. We knew it before we even had it. And then everything came in and it was like not even like a thing. Like, of course it was coming in. We knew it was coming in. The Lord said do it. How'd you know? Because we were taking a nap during midweek prayer. <laughs> you come in here in midweek prayer, and you're just like this person up here is like shout, this person on the third row is like. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> They're both groaning and travailing. Yeah. <laughs> Rest. <laughs> the goodness of God. <laughs> I'm having fun today. It's starting to loosen up a little bit. Maybe everyone's just sleepy and you guys are all like, I feel the wind of God on this. I'm going to go home and take that holy. How many people realize Sunday afternoons, there's something holy about a nap at Sunday afternoon? You know, it's true. It's like you're supposed to go eat like some heavy meal right now. As soon as we get out of here, because you're starving right now and you're wondering when I'm going to finish and I'm still talking. You're like, if he could shut up. I could eat some heavy meal and I could take a nap, but I'm going to draw it here a little while longer so that it gets sweeter. I'm going to make you earn that heavy meal. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, "Oh Lord," That's heavenly, man. It's heavenly. Second thing listed in that room was a table. Say table. Table is, 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 is symbolic. Psalm 23 He sits before your table in the presence of your enemies it's feasting. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You got to learn how to partake in the kingdom of God. And that's the biggest thing that a lot of people, they don't know how to do it. I've I've prayed for people and they think that God is just going to force himself upon them. God, if it is you, then pick me up, throw me in the back of the building, stick me to the wall, turn me upside down, shake me till the change comes out. Then let me slide down and I'll know it's you, God. I tell people all the time, you come to the Lord and you have a checklist. God, I want you, Lord. I'm hungry, but don't make me scream. Don't make me laugh. Don't make me cry. Don't make me run. I don't understand the running part. Don't make me do any of that. And the Lord's like, then I'm not going to touch you. Because in the touch is just letting yourself so trust God that you learn how to receive. Amen. See, we praise and worship for an hour in this place to give to God so that then God can turn around and give back to you. So many people are always pouring and don't know how to receive. Amen. How do you receive the joy? How do you receive the overflow of the God's goodness? How do you receive your healing? How do you receive visions? How do you receive dreams? How do you receive revelation? It's all training yourself. How do I partake so that it's two ways where the goodness of God and the fruit of the spirit and the truth of God or the gifts of the Spirit are active in my life. It's partaking in the goodness of God. Amen? And it means you bypass your mind and you let your spirit take over because your head does not understand anything. I'm telling you, it's like resistance in this place today. Is this the river? Is this like Woodlands Lutheran Episcopalian Church? Did I show up in the wrong congregation today? It's like your mind is always the one that blocks it. In the garden, when man fell, they fell because they ate of the knowledge of good and evil. They let reason enter into their hearts where they began to reason within themselves what was right, what was holy, what was proper, and what was God. And that mind still actively works in people to where they're like, I don't know if this is the Lord. I don't know if this is with God. I don't know if I should do this. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. I don't know. And that that mind Blocks what God wants to do deep on the inside of you. The table is learning how do I partake in the kingdom. Are you with me? Jesus. That's why saturation matters. Because the more you saturate yourself in the kingdom of God, the easier it is to slip into the presence of God where heaven begins to feed you. The holy things of heaven. Amen? Amen? The table I have set before you, you became my delicious feast even when my enemies dared to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit and you give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. Overflow. Third thing is a chair. A chair. Chair exists because it's where you study to grow up. To mature in the kingdom of God. It takes active participation on your part. I think that most people... Whether you're called into business, education, politics, I think that many believers should go to Bible school because you're just dedicating a time of your life to pursue his presence and grow in your understanding of the word, the things of God, and mature yourself on the inside. But if you don't have access to that, you still can take your word and you can study it day in and day out at your house, letting the word of God permeate your very being till you think with the word and operate through the word. Amen. If I could say anything to this generation, it would be get off of your lazy rear end and pursue study in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. You say, what about the rest? Rest? I'm saying cut out all the entertainment. This society is so pumped up with entertainment, we entertain ourselves 24-7. There's got to be a time in your life when you stop being entertained and you start being consumed with the word of God so that something meaty is being fed to you and building yourself up liken it to this. If you lived every day of your life and all you did was eat donut king how healthy of a life do you think you're going to have? How long do you think you'd make it before your heart gives out because all it has had is just sugar 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 versus a person that eats a well balanced meal So understand, man, if I'm going to grow up, if I'm going to host the presence of the Lord, I got to get to a place where I'm so mature in the word that I discern it correctly so that I perceive what is happening around me. Otherwise, I'm a person that could be led astray by every wind and doctrine that comes down the path. And that's not what God has called you to be. Amen. God did not call you out of darkness to make you a weak believer that is in constant need of respiration. He called you to mature, grow up and carry something holy into this world. Amen. Amen. Study the word. The Bible says work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Proverbs 2, 2 through 9. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver and seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding, and he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He's a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just, and he protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. Amen. So decide, I'm going to grow up, you know, I'm going to read the word. I'm going to consume the word. When is the last time you were by yourself reading the word and something sprung to life on the inside of you? When's the last time you had that moment where you're like, this is real right now. If you haven't had that, you've got to get in the word and decide that I'm going to pursue it till I get it. Come on, somebody. I remember one guy told me, he said, man, every time I read the Bible, I fall asleep. It's like, and then I told him, I remember I was sitting there trying to think of something really intelligent to tell the guy, you know, cause I'm like, you know. I mean, because I understand there's times I open the Word and, you know, you're going to fall asleep. You know, you're tired. So I was like, what's something anointed and super smart? I could tell this guy right now. You know, is it the devil putting him to sleep? You know, buying the devil? And the dude beside me, he didn't miss a beat. Instantly, he's like, well, then read it, Walking Around. And I was like, yeah, yeah, stand up and walk. What's wrong with you, bro? (laughs) Thank God for the guy beside me. You know what I'm saying? He was like, just stand up and walk. You won't fall asleep then. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Most likely, too. It is, you just, it's like your flesh gives way on you, and you got to train your spirit to come alive. And so it's like the flesh wants to shut down, but you got to get to that place where the spirit is allowed to access the word. And I get it. I have had those moments. But when you get in tune with the spirit of God, when you open the Bible, it's like ministering to you. It is literally as refreshing as eating a meal, a steak with potatoes, and come on, and a sweet tea. You're like, mmm. It's feeding you, and it's maturing you, and it's growing you to where revelation is coming from that place, and you understand the kingdom of God because it's written before you. Study to show yourself approved. Pursue wisdom. The Bible says you can ask of God for wisdom, and he liberally gives it. So it means he holds nothing back. He pours out wisdom. So ask God for wisdom. I said this the other day, but I have a a diary where the Lord told me two years ago to start writing in my diary, and so... I wrote in my diary for about three months and now I'm gonna start again. <laughs> I, I, I got a good three, four months in there that goes from 2017 to 2020. But you know, I'm just gonna put a blank piece of paper in there and then, because I'm gonna I'm grow, I'm a work in progress, you know. But I was reading 2017, everything I wrote in my diary, and like literally, I didn't even realize i write this. But I would write down in my diary, this is what's going on. This is what's happening in the church. This is what's set before me. I'm praying for God to give me wisdom to know what to do. Next next thing, one week later, this is what's going on. This is what's before me. I'm asking the Lord for the wisdom to understand what we're supposed to do. It's like almost every single thing I read for three, four months of cataloging what I was going through, I didn't even realize I'm daily almost writing. I'm asking God for wisdom. People say, how do you get there? Nobody's ever got where God wants to get you. So the only way you're going to get there is if you get the wisdom of God on the inside of you. Come on. It's like God didn't create a copycat with you. He made an original. So the only person that has the understanding of how do you get from A to B is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That's the wisdom that's available to you. Not wisdom based upon what CNN is tweeting or what is what the, even what the president is saying. Wisdom that comes from a kingly King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the one that knows all, holds all, is all. That's the wisdom you want to live your life by. You want something that's unshakable on the inside of you. You get that because you say, man, God, I'm hungry to know you. I'll read your word. I will dedicate myself to understanding the truth of this gospel. That it builds up in me a kingdom of heaven. That I would take territory. And lastly, in, the, in, in there, the room was listed a lamp. All of this. Resting in the, in, in the presence of the Lord. Feasting in the goodness of God. And studying to show yourself approved. And so that you could shine as a city on a hill. What is it all for? If you don't do anything with what God gives you. Was it about falling on the ground? Was it about shaking? Was it about crying? Was it about laughing in church? Or was it about something more? The kingdom of God is based on building and reaching one more person. The Bible says the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus passionately loves you, but he passionately loves the person that is lost right next door to you, right across the street from you. And the more you get of the kingdom of God on the inside, the more you'll be able to reach those people with a powerful encounter where Jesus shows up, where his presence manifests itself. I was preaching in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, on the streets, not in a church, at Tulsa University. It's like winter time, right around Christmas time. I was leading people from Oral Roberts University, and we would go, Oral Roberts is, you know, the Christian saved university, and we would go to the heathen Tulsa University down the street. Because we knew that nobody on Oral Roberts land needed the salvation. Yeah, right. They all needed it. But we were, we lead teams to Tulsa University. And so I'm walking through Tulsa University. We're praying for people. We're doing all of this stuff. And my friend and I, were are saying, we get this guy. And it was like, we're about to leave. Uh, and he's, he's an uh, is Islamic kid, Looks like he's he darker skin. And we start talking to him about Jesus. Uh, he's there, at Tulsa's studying. And he said, man, you don't understand. If I was to give my life to the Lord and, and confess Jesus Christ as Lord, I would have to tell my family that I received Jesus. I couldn't do it and not tell them. And if I told my dad that I received Jesus, they would cut off my supply and my, my, my money because my family is uh, uh, Islamic, and they wouldn't support me to finish my college education. So he said, I can't ask Jesus into my heart. I'm sorry, but I've got to finish what's set before me. And he was walking away, and just in my heart, I'm like, man, that's a tough place to be. So I shouted out to the kid. I said, look, I understand what you're saying, but God is real. So here's my challenge to you. Sometime in your life, I want you to get before the Lord and just say, God, if you are real, then do something to show me that you are who you say you are, and I will give you my life. I said, will you do that? He said, I'll do it right now. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if the Lord is real, let's see what God does. So literally, three people standing on a sidewalk of Tulsa University, people are walking by. This kid takes his hands. He says, God, if you're real, then I want you to prove it right now. Do something that only you could do. You would have thought that a hundred anointed men of God just laid hands on him. It was like this kid got struck by lightning. He got hit, fell to the ground, screaming, laughing, crying, shouting. I'm like, I mean, people are running by. I didn't lay hands on him. I did nothing. This is like the calmest prayer. God, if you're real, then I want you to prove it right now. Boom. He's on the ground. My friend's like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, and he was Word of Faith. So everybody in Word of Faith knows, Shut, tut, 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 buy, buy. so he's, the hand goes right out and you're praying in tongues. That's what every Word of Faith person does. Rabid, get him, Jesus. Yedabod, rabid, get him, Jesus. And I'm standing there stupefied. I'm like, it's so easy. It was so easy. Because then you go to another place and you're, you're, you're warring with a person. That's offended at the Lord. I can't tell you how many times on the street I'm clinging to God saying, give me a word of knowledge. Because this person's heart is hard to you. Help me, Jesus. And they walk away and I can't get them. And then this kid just gets drilled. But it's the presence of God that makes the difference. Whether he gives you a word of knowledge. Whether he causes you to have the gift of healing to do something supernatural. Or if he just takes over and you're standing there watching it happen. Whatever it is, it is about the presence of God. Only God can do those things. Church. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.